Robin's Ramblings, the podcast. I am Robin Brady, and today we are talking about the theater. And I was talking to a friend of mine recently about the pandemic and trying to get back to life as we used to know it or whatever new life is going to look like and was mentioning things like the performing arts that you know we have my mom and i had all these plans to go to stratford over the summer and see all these shows and what's going to happen blah 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 and my friend laughed at me and was sort of scoffing at the idea that the performing arts were in any way remotely essential to life <laughs> my friends in the room are currently joining me with the gasping of horror my friend was very much of the opinion that those, and he said as much, those are nice to have things, but they're not need to have things. And if we're going to focus on getting society back and getting an economy back, we need to worry about the need to have, not the fluff. And again, I got really angry at the idea of theater or music or any sort of performing arts as fluff because through a pandemic, we have relied on the fluff to get us through and keep us sane. And so to talk about the fluff or the lack of fluff and the need for arts and performing arts in a society, I decided to have a socially responsible gathering of Chatham Kent's power family, I guess. Uh -oh. <laughs> Please go on. <laughs> because if you're gonna have a group of people in a room who can talk about every aspect of the performing arts, who are also in the same social circle, you're gonna get the Schwartzes together. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, if you will, my guests. I've got Rachel Schwartz, who is the founder and artistic director of Chatham Kent's Brio Academy, as well as Studio Black Productions. I've got Sarah Steele Schwartz, who is an actor, a singer, this year's music theater intensive instructor at the Brio Academy. She's been a scenic director for several of Studio Black's past performances, knows all the ins and outs of on the stage and behind the stage. And Paul Jerry Schwartz, I don't know what name I'm calling you today. Are you Paul Jerry? Are you Paul Schwartz? Um, Paul, Are you someone else? You know what? I, everyone has that question now. At first, I just <laughs> changed it. I just changed it because when I started doing the buble stuff, mm -hmm. the the I don't want to say impersonation no, because I never did tribute. Tri nice. Um, because I always had a beard. Buble didn't have a beard. Yes, dude. <laughs> so it's never impersonation. There's a difference. Anyway, before I ran too much, what was I talking about? <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> My name. My name. I call it for you now. Uh, Paul Jerry Schwartz. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I changed it because I didn't want cast uh, <laughs> certain people that were coming to the shows were looking me up on Facebook, which was very personal at the time. Sure. And maybe the persona that I had on stage didn't completely line up with my college persona at the time. <laughs> what are on you Facebook. talking about? <laughs> so I was like, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll save some of this. Sure. Uh, but Paul is, for those who don't know him, Paul is a professional actor, a singer, has been delighting audiences across southwestern Ontario for the last few years. He never <laughs> rambles. <laughs> I think I've made it Very out of southwestern Ontario once or twice. Once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, northern Ontario. Well, hey, that's big time right there. Yeah. I saw a show in Detroit once. So. Cool. But also um, is very intimately... Uh, affected by the mm. pandemic, not as we all mm -hmm. have been. But um, Paul, I'm going to start with you on this. Tell me how the pandemic and the shutting down of life affected your career. 
Well, I had an interesting view and perspective of it because at the time when all this was going down, my professional career, now I think I've been a professional for a number of years, but mm -hmm. just last year uh, I got my equity membership, so I'm paying my union dues to be a professional actor now, right. so I'm happy to call myself that. And um, I was putting together a good season. I had a whole season of shows. Uh, for the first year, I could say that my whole year, my income would be uh, being given by the theater world, right? And um, in March, uh, the day before opening night of Kinky Boots, I was in K Cambridge, we were all sort of on our phones as everybody else was. And the message that I read going to bed that night was that Broadway had closed down two of their theaters. And already every day in rehearsal, the conversation topics were uh, the virus, COVID, For restrictions, sure. quarantines. Um, that, was, that was what everybody was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so it was no surprise to be reading these things. Um, but then after the two theaters closing, when you went to bed, when you woke up in the morning, there were seven more theaters that had closed in Broadway. And as a smaller regional theater in Ontario, even though we're putting out amazing professional content, I thought that we would be very quickly to follow the lead of Broadway. For sure. When we, we do take a lot of um, hints from them, you know. So then that night or that day, we were all getting ready for our first uh, performance, our preview. We got through the preview. <clears throat> And we all got called in by our artistic director and uh, the look on his face. I mean, as soon as the knock came at our door to say, you know, Alex would like to see everybody. It was, oh, okay, everybody, have happy, happy closing, uh -huh. right? It wasn't even opening night. It wasn't even opening night, but I definitely took it upon myself to go around and start saying happy closing to everybody because it was. And I wanted to enjoy the closing because we weren't going to be doing another show after that. Mm. So he fired us on the day before closing, our first performance, and he did that to our advantage because he wanted to make sure that before there was a government closure that he fired us because that ensured that the actors were paid mm -hmm. just that much more, right? <laughs> he wanted to make sure that even though he wasn't obligated, he wanted to make sure that we got the biggest piece that we could. He gave everybody severance, right? Yeah, like he, he yeah. Took care because of he knew that I mean, he canceled six shows that day, and he's canceled all 12 since, so that's an entire year gone. And some of the theaters, of course, are saying, well, we'll start it up in 2021, but the latest, on the latest announcements by anybody, theaters at the bottom, live performances are at the bottom of the list, right. and it's, it's for the foreseeable future. There is no determined date of when this could be and it makes sense I guess that there isn't a determined one because I I don't know for the demographic that I usually perform for mm -hmm. I'm not sure when that demographic would be willing to not only sit beside each other I mean even if it's first a socially distanced theater mm -hmm. um, I worry that M MTI which is the company that gives the rights, maybe Rachel knows more about this, but 
that they give us the rights and they give us a price based on what we're going to sell for the theater and based on the ticket sales and the size of the theater. But if the size of the theater is one thing and the amount of people that we're regulated and allowed to put in are another, right. I don't know when that date works out and when that happens and when people are like, yeah, let's do that. For, for amateur rights, you do you pay based on... Um your expected attendance as well. So they factor, they figure out like how many seats are in the theater and how many, what is the percentage that you expect to fill and then they calculate rights based on that. But it's still, it's it's cost prohibitive to, like rights are expensive for a show. Um, to uh, book something where you know you can fill like 20% of the seats or, or something like that, right? It's gonna be a long time before I think we see, especially local or regional companies, able to afford to do um, productions that are licensed. Right. Right. So, so to license like a an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, it's it's not it's not cheap or Disney or, or whatever, mm -hmm. and those are normally big draws. Yeah. Shows that are a name that people will recognize. <laughs> yeah. Dude's also here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> He's fine. Yeah. You're good. He slept all day, so now he's being a jerk. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. From the Brio perspective, mm -hmm. uh, because you have hundreds of students yep. coming here learning singing and various musical instruments mm -hmm. and dance, mm -hmm. and we'll get to Sarah and her music theater intensive kids in a minute, mm -hmm. but how, because you had to completely revamp the way yeah, you we teach. Did. So, so we knew as soon as schools were announced as closed for an additional two weeks after mm -hmm. March break, um, that night I went home and, and we just started planning for what online learning would look like. So we, over the break, we, and it was just lucky, like we, we didn't have a camp booked. I was giving everybody the week off because it's been a busy year. Um, we just we spent that week kind of changing gears and and so we launched this online learning platform we started doing zoom lessons so we transferred all of our private music students over to um, online learning so so we did a lot of stuff by zoom and and the thing is it's it's actually not all it's not all bad like like my students I can I can speak like on behalf of kind of Brio larger, but also like my own students, I've been teaching for 20 something odd years. Um, they had a fantastic year. Like you have to teach differently. Right. Um, and without performances and without the kind of stuff that normally hallmarks um, a student's like 10 month long season, uh, I found that I was actually a lot freer to explore um, some things that normally I don't have time to explore, especially at a younger age. So I dived really deeply into like keyboard harmony, even with my singers. I, I think it's really important that a kid can sit and sing and play. They can accompany themselves, whether they come for singing lessons or piano lessons or whatever. And I think it's just as important for instrumentalists to be able to, to vocalize music. Um, so if I had piano students, they were singing. If I had singers, they were sitting at a keyboard and they were learning their way around it. And the end result is I had kids, we did like a virtual recital 
And I had kids sitting and singing and playing for themselves. And so their offering to the virtual recital was something they could, not that they couldn't have done, it's just something that we wouldn't have spent time on because Mm -hmm. they would have been prepping for Kiwanis or prepping for final recitals or whatever. Um, And my senior students now have amazing keyboard fluency, especially my my kids who who come to me for piano. We really dived heavily into like keyboard harmony, which is something I did at university where you sit at a piano and you start learning like how, how to chord and how to modulate. They can all read Roman numerals now. They understand how these chords relate to each other. Like it, for me, for teaching, it was a little bit revolutionary. It's changed how I'm going to teach forever, like going forward in a good way. Yeah. Um, we're going to be introducing classes in the in the fall that are going to build off of what what I did with my teaching this season because because the kids loved it and and I'm really happy with their progress so it's not all bad right um but it's challenging (laughs) no doubt right Yeah. yeah so Sarah you this was was this your first year doing the music theater kids? Yeah, I've been with Brio doing the Art Monsters for just the art program, but yeah. for two years and then Paul did the direction last year and then Rachel knew that Paul was gonna be gone, so she's like, Did you wanna have a hand at it? And then once she said Rock of Ages, no one can see me, but I have blue hair. <laughs> so it's like I think it was a very appropriate show. Uh, but yeah, I hadn't had a I've only been on stage and backstage, so being like Front of stage was kind of a neat experience. And so this is this is a program that is basically giving kids their first real, like, full theater, music theater yeah, experience. Yeah, right. And I mean, I think this year we've kind of focused more a little bit on making it a little more like a triple threat program where we actually had, uh, it was cut short, obviously, but we mm-hmm. had uh, um, Avery coming in and teaching dance class on Wednesday. So they would have one focus day specific on dance and then you know, music, and Becca was teaching the music, and I was more focusing on, like, character building and, and, you know, whatever else I could kind of fill in the little holes. And so it was really more focused on, like, a triple threat program so they could really focus on dance, drama, and music all at the same time. So for under 12. So when yeah. the pandemic hit and everything got shut down, did you, like, were there other ways that you carried the program on, or was that just sort of the so end of it? So, unfortunately, we, well, fortunately, unfortunately, we ended up having, we were going to do, working towards a final show. So mm-hmm. they were putting on a full-fledged production, like costumes and music, right. and we were doing Rock of Ages. We had just uh, booked the venue, we had just started really getting things together and trying to work towards a vision and a full-fledged show and then everything hit just before March break so we really didn't get a chance to fully go forward. We were supposed to be going up at the end of May uh, but the kids online we just sort of we did more like check-ins. Uh, it was difficult to really run a full show on the internet and so we did they, they really missed I think the, just the connection with their teachers, the connection with each other. Right. So instead of having to worry about maybe so much extra pressure they had started uh, starting school and more internet school was happening online. So we almost used it as, yes, a teaching tool, but then also kind of like a gathering of their friends. Cause I think that's a huge thing. I personally, if I'm rambling, please stop me. But no, I no, personally found away. like, <laughs> there were kids that maybe didn't quite quote unquote fit with a lot of the other people. And maybe they had a hard time connecting with people. And I can think of two or three specifics in my class. And by the end of, they had had their, their own group of people or a 13 year old girl was like, I can't wait to go to school on Monday mom because I can't wait to see my friends at Brio. And to me, knowing the type of girl she was like, 
that's that's I think the most important aside from like the obvious why they're there for the classes is for like sure. the connection and trying to like release boundaries and try to be a little bit more comfortable with each other. And now we're gets kind of pushing back on what we've still worked so hard on. It's like we we were pushing away all these boundaries and now it's like we're building the ball back up again. So yeah. hopefully what we instilled in them prior to the <laughs> pandemic is able to push them past. Oh, <laughs> uh, now you were one of the cringiest faces that I noticed at the start when I met It hurts my, my heart, <laughs> apparently, and <laughs> very <laughs> viscerally. So, so give me, all three of you, give me your thoughts on the essentialness of performing arts. I this, think, personally, I just touched on it. Like, yeah. it's mental health. Like, I think a lot of it, especially for younger kids, I mean, even for me as an adult, I didn't step on stage really as a lead until I met Paul in 2013 doing my first lead with a, a production company in Windsor and to me that was the final piece of my my self-conscious puzzle I still have little bits and pieces but having that ability to walk on stage be somebody else you just you get past all of that so like me personally mental health connection creativity having that outlet yeah, that's my, uh, that's why I get, and I mean, I live and breathe art, like my job is art. Absolutely. I, uh, I do all kinds of art, so I guess <laughs> I'm far more offended than the, just the normal person. It's like, I draw pictures, but like, we as a family probably had a collective gasp, you know? <laughs> I think that I, I, not like a unique perspective, but as, as myself growing up through music and entertainment and theater, since five, like getting on stage and singing and dancing since five. I especially often, the dancing. Yeah, especially <laughs> the dancing. Yeah. I often had a slew of people that misjudged that, misjudged me, and never really kind of understood what theater was, mm -hmm. what the arts was, what it all encompassed. So I guess what, why I would maybe be as cringy hearing that is because it doesn't surprise me always that not everyone understands mm -hmm. what the arts is. But I do think that especially within our family, that is what we try to do, is bring in all people mm -hmm. everywhere to mm -hmm. see what the arts is all about mm -hmm. and how vast it is. I mean, I think it's very interesting because I guess... I give off a, a, a certain personality and I have that, I, I carry myself a certain way and people don't always expect me to be very serious because I don't act very serious all the time and in fact my life's goal is making people laugh. However, to do that, if you're going to make people laugh on stage and in some of the productions that I've been a part of. I think it's very serious how you have to go about that. Mm -hmm. That the work that you have to do, that all of us are doing, because I don't think that uh, a laugh comes just from the actor. You know, it's from the writer, it's from the director, the producer who, who helps get them in a costume that's appropriate, the lighting that gets them looking the way they do on cue so that no one in the audience uh, things that there's lights, you know, they just, oh, the lights came on for this scene because of course they would. They don't understand the hours that that lighting tech has spent. When I wasn't there as the director, I said, do this, and he spent 18 more hours doing it so that when every one of the 50 people that are in that show come back the next day to get on stage and perform for 1,200 people, 
everything's going right, right down to the right down to the tickets. You know, I mean, the designs that are on the tickets, the the yeah. the font work and the designs mm -hmm. that we put onto the tickets are done by an artist, right? So it never stops stretching. You know, I believe radio is, has is an art form. You know, the voiceover artists do incredible work. So when they're advertising. It's art. It's all of it is art. So even now in this pandemic, that idea, the, the infographic that said 71% of artists aren't essential, right? It's a, it's a drawn infographic yeah, by an artist. Right. Like it, it was essential to yeah. get this message out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would, I would like to add to that. Um, people, what people don't understand is that the arts is is a huge industry in in Canada in Ontario, and and it's an industry that has um, that has spin-off revenue, right? That that generates tourism revenue. It generates um, revenue for restaurants and for clubs, and and it, it's actually it, it's funny. I did this research because I was part of the the economic recovery task force for, for our municipality. And I was kind of representing arts and culture. And I got to work with a lot of the, um, a lot of people in the restaurant industry as well. They kind of, they kind of grouped us all together because again, it, it's hard, it's hard for people who aren't involved in the arts to under, to understand actually the scope of the impact. So I started doing some numbers research because I find if I'm talking to people that aren't, involved in the arts, what I need to do is I need to give them facts. Right. Um, because they just think we're just, I don't know, skipping through fields of <laughs> sure. daisies. As, as whatever. Do. And are totally fine That's to like... Monday. <laughs> <laughs> That's Monday. That's what we do on our day. But on, on Tuesday, it's serious. <laughs> so, so the arts and culture industry in Canada is larger than um, the agricultural industry in Canada. Hmm. As far as dollars go um and then and then what does arts and culture touch in terms of other industries right like it's it's huge um and so and so to say well it's not important because it's something that we don't understand it's way bigger than sports in terms of like the actual contribution to our national like economy um, but we get sports, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah everybody, everybody, everybody gets sports. sports. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But 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 the arts is actually it's a much more profound impact, and so it's also a hallmark of a healthy of a healthy like economy in terms of like social like people want to move here, people want to invest here. You need a you need a healthy arts economy. In order to make something like that happen, it's what makes it's so ingrained. it's what it's what appeals to people when they want to live in a big city, mm -hmm. yeah. right? There's there's the but concept it's so ingrained. of I like, know it's taken for such granted. It is because, taken for granted because you can go to any bar across North America and hear music. You're listening to music. Not now. You're you're not now, but 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 you will like even if you go to a patio. What do they do? They they, yeah, they turn on music. turn on a radio. And so so from my point of view. Um, the concept of teaching the arts it's one of those things that that you can't yet learn 
exclusively away from your teacher, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a it's a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn from listening to other students, and and there's this like time honored hundreds of years long tradition, right? That I am passing on to my kids. I, I learn from my teachers and they learn from their teachers. And and so how big a hole do we leave in terms of how that information is passed on before, before like the generation that comes after us starts to suffer? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like the arrangers and the, the radio, when we turn on the radio, and you're listening to a hit song, you're not just listening to that artist, you're listening to the musicians in the background right. that are arranging and transcribing the music and, and doing all of this yeah. this stuff that creates this finished product. But all of those, um, everybody who, who is good at those jobs, they learn on the job and they start learning when they're very young. So if you go to school for English, you decide you finish you finish high school I want to go or I want to go be a psychiatrist you start that path after you finished high school right yeah mm-hmm. if you want to go to school for music you're starting <laughs> that when you're like four or five. you're starting that when you're four or five mm-hmm. and by the time you are in high school you are taking lessons several times a week mm-hmm. and you understand the basics of modern western music and you understand harmony and you don't get to just go i'm gonna go to music school (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah like there's the theory yeah that's right that's right and so and so you have to there there is this like system of teaching that that also is important whether you understand it or not um and it's changing a little bit too right but but it does need it does need respect in in the conversation of reopening right that's it would be i think folly to say that that can wait Mm -hmm. because of all of the reasons that paul and sarah have said like mental health reasons and and cultural reasons but it's also there are financial implications Mm -hmm. to the arts not recovering that i think people don't understand if you want restaurants around um theaters in toronto they need those theaters to be open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, uh, 100%. Right? Like, the oh, hotels the there Airbnb need... The Airbnb industry right. is suffering yeah. because no one is... I mean, if, if you could think it's just... Like, if every person that went to New York City to get an Airbnb, if you think they were just there to just have some food, that's not... I mean, everyone, even the ones that didn't come to my shows wanted to go to see a Broadway show mm-hmm. because Broadway means something to almost mm-hmm. yeah. everyone, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's something otherworldly. And when I was doing opera, even though I might have had my own you know, assumptions of the type of personalities that were in there, anyone I would tell, were, it was almost regal that I was doing, are you doing opera? It's still you thought of it. as yeah, yeah something great. Only but, here, right? Like but, that's that like in Europe, that's just normal. classical music is a lot more. Accepted but I wanted to as a, add to that point. Like, I think what was nice, not to toot my own horn, but no, I think no. what was nice because I'd never do that as a professional actor. That's right. Uh, we aren't capable of such things. Yeah. No. Do your podcast listeners need to know that I'm his sister and that's why I'm making fun of him? <laughs> and I'm his wife and I'm just staying out of the family discussions. And Tell us more, that's Paul. why I'm not listening to either of them. 
I love the mellifluous sounds of my own voice. Oh my <laughs> <God>. Somebody should. <laughs> okay, so I felt that it was good that when a student would come to me, they're getting the, uh, since I was five, 23 years mm -hmm. of yeah. classical, traditional musical training. What they also get is when my, a person of my generation was growing up, uh, the music industry is always changing, but was seeing so much change and was seeing so much um, ability for personal creation on these computers, right? On, on all kinds of different devices mm -hmm. where I didn't have to go to a studio anymore. I wasn't getting studio quality sound just yet, mm -hmm. but I didn't have to go to a studio to get it done. So more and more when I was growing up and going through college, there were these solo artists that were every single part of the album was them in a bedroom, right? And that was becoming more prevalent. And then YouTube comes out. Now, not only is every part of the direction of the music being recorded at home, but every part of the video aspect of it. So now these artists, these creators, are musicians, they're directors, they're producers, they're accountants because they have to manage all of these finances. And every, every aspect of it. So what I always, like, my teachers would instill in me the need to practice, the need to do this, the need to study all of this traditional work. And I pass that on too. But now what I also have to pass on is don't neglect this technology also. Um, part of a lesson would, an end of a lesson would be, hey, check out this iPad. This is a uh, audio interface. This is where you can also make music. To make it well, I do believe that you need the traditional theory training as the one, like, I don't think it's ever not there. I think the stories of these artists that do it from their bedroom, I don't think one of them doesn't know theory. Uh, to some degree, the circle of fifths, the key signatures, the real science, I guess, and the math behind music. You gotta know that. Yeah. But then, these creative souls are so vast in what they do. Students come to me now at 13 mm -hmm. and they have such an understanding of it that I didn't have, and maybe that was just me, maybe there were other kids around me at the time, but uh, it's just different somehow. They're so engaged in the idea that the arts could be something that they would do forever. And it was still, even for me, knowing that I wanted to do it forever, there was a piece of me that was like, I don't know about this, you know? And, and that's what we're coming up against in the pandemic. Still some of those voices that were there when I was going to college mm -hmm. telling me, are you sure you want to go? Job. It's not it's a not serious job. It's not a real yeah. job. Mm -hmm. Until you're also then praising me for the performance that I just yeah. did, that you loved, mm -hmm. that you had the, and the whole night was devoted to coming to see that performance. You're, the beginning of the day, you woke up that day and said, I can't wait to go to that performance tonight, get in the car, get dressed, get some food, get all of this, yeah. have a good night, go home, talk about it, whether it was good or bad. Yeah. You get to talk about what you just saw with whoever you just saw. Right. No, and I'm like, oh, I have to go see Paul today. And, <laughs> yeah. and Rachel, I don't know if I've even seen yours. 
<laughs> no, Paul totally missed both of my master's recitals. Skipped it. <laughs> I think I was in the car, but I just couldn't be. <laughs> oh, sure. It was such a long walk to the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and right. My sister, yeah, yeah. He was uh, solo recitals for Paul. I don't know. <laughs> so we're we're in a phase now. I think it was yesterday or the day before, sometime earlier this week, um, that. Broadway announced that it's going to be at least January before they even are able to mm-hmm. get shows back up. So how do we, from either a small town community theater perspective to a, a performing arts school to Toronto and New York and, and beyond? I've been talking to a few of my clients and it's just because they're also wondering. Cause they're, yeah. I was supposed to, I've been doing hair for 20 years yeah. and I was getting ready to take off and make a huge Yes, you change. were going to be in Stratford this summer. I was going to go next month, less than a couple weeks from now. And I was supposed to start a theater production arts program and now it's sort of thinking that I don't think it's much of a fruitful career option at the moment. but. It's almost as if it's going to bring a more focus. Now, maybe Rachel can agree or disagree, but like it's going to bring a more focus to like community theater because like it costs so much money to run large theaters. You have to pay equity actors. You have mm. to pay your cast. You have to pay all of these things. You've got to. But whereas community theater, I think people might be moving a little bit more towards the local aspect of it, just because it'll be more readily available. I guess dis- distancing might be the the only thing we really have to concern ourselves with, and then funding. But like for the most part, I think it'd be easier to go see a, a small funded production because mm-hmm. it's you don't have to pay your equity actors anymore. So it's catch twenty two, good and bad. I know. <laughs> I was waiting for the pipe in peanut gallery. Well, to pu- only to add the 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 only information that I know, equity keeps us informed as much as they can. They are constantly holding meetings and, and doing all that to see uh, what can happen. They're, they're trying everything. They take donations. Uh, actors and performers are doing live broadcasts almost all hours of the day. Right. Um, but it, it wasn't something that anybody was ready for. Uh, no, I mean, to get canned the night before opening shows sure. that there was mm-hmm. no, There's no readiness for yeah. it. And actors, if this surprises you, don't exactly have a lot of preparedness in in financial situations when it comes to that. There was only one guy in a cast of 55 that was like, every everyone knew he was good with his money. Everyone knew. And we're like, he'll be fine. Yeah. But, but that's like, and Paul's making a joke of it too, but that's, that is what people expect from people that work in the arts is this kind of like... You're the starving artist. Whatever, but it's like it's you can you can have a fantastic career in the arts, in teaching, in arts administration, in performance. Like it's not it's not what people picture, mm-hmm. right? Like we, Brio, we've been open for three years. We have over fifteen employees. Like we, it, it's a footprint, right? Like we to 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 say like it it doesn't have an impact even in in our local economy like that's not that's not exactly true Mm -hmm. right like that's and so for me it's my kind of crusade to try and try and change that um that narrative because because I would like people that maybe don't know about the arts but but even like consume it passively to be passionate about the idea that it needs to get back up and running too because if we want if we want people to move here if we want house prices to continue to go up if we want restaurants to be open if we want all of those things 
we need to have a buy-in in the concept of arts and culture in the community. And so it can't just be this thing that we're not worrying about because we need well, to get agriculture going. It's it, We need to worry about it. We well, need like, to think about it. To go, like, when I say that, oh, I lost my year of shows, mm -hmm. you know, they, I'm a regional Ontario theater actor. That has a connotation that, that you know, doesn't match a Hollywood actor. Mm -hmm. I'm aware that, that my, my price is not even close to what they get per show. But the talent and the drive and what we do, I know it's the same because Absolutely. they're another mm -hmm. artist, they're another yeah. performer. Mm -hmm. So then when someone comments that, well, I lost my entire year, and their first comment sort of is, well, here's this famous person that I wasn't able to go see this summer. And, and I get it, I know that that hurts for you, <laughs> but me not working is a domino effect for that show of that famous, that 80,000 seat arena. It's a domino effect because each, like that theater is built on that small back of theaters. The, the season goes on, it can't just be famous person every weekend, mm -hmm. you know, whatever famous person means to you. But mm -hmm. the Monday night, the Thursday night, the Friday night, when it's just the open mics, that's keeping the lights on so that Saturday, July 21st, whatever it is, you can see um, whoever it may be. Another amazing performer that has worked tirelessly mm -hmm. to get to where they are and now is in front of the 80,000 people, Luke Bryan. Mm -hmm. But without a place for Luke Bryan to have built mm -hmm. his career, Right, it's you're not there. You're not enjoying that music with those eighty thousand other people, without the small venue, without the community theater, without the open mics. Right. So I will also say, like, I don't, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Like in in Europe, there are there are performances that are already happening, and and people are exploring like alternative venues and, and open air spaces and everything like that, like, or, or smaller venue, like smaller things. It will be harder for, um, especially for regional or community theater companies to mount expensive shows, like yeah. shows where there's an expensive outlay right, right at the beginning. Um, because you won't be able to sell the sell the seats in order to to recoup that mm -hmm. but but I think that what's neat about the arts is they artists are really really good at taking whatever life throws at them and making something new and neat mm -hmm. with it right and so in history like some of the greatest artistic outpourings have been in times of crisis mm -hmm. and then we look back and we're like Oh well, that happened, and that happened, and it's it's because artists like speak to speak to what is happening in the world, and we're seeing that too, right? Like we're we're living through it right now, and so maybe it's not like live performance that we're seeing, but we're seeing a massive creative output right. that that is taking place right now, and and it's something that that will like. <laughs> That we'll feel, that's right. That we'll feel for for years to come. I just hope that we find a way to 
keep the education component of it going so that kids who are coming up in this world or who have a, who have a passion for that um, get what they need so that they can, they can also produce the way that they want to produce. Um, yeah, I guess that is. That, it, that's a great point because... Are you saying that I made a good point? I guess so. Yeah. Now I'm, trying, I'm, to, now I'm trying to take it that's back right. because that's I realize right. it's like, I'm being my recorded. Sister. So <laughs> the now I regret absolutely everything I did. That's right. He thinks well, I'm really smart. I do agree with that because I do think from what I was seeing that our world in the arts was in a really, really good place. Mm -hmm. And an amazing, like, just from the fact that Brio here exists, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. um, good thing this is Because of all the things, yeah. I know. I'm all sorry. the <laughs> things that we do. This is all I'm going to air. Yeah. It's just, this just, just Paul complimenting me. <laughs> but, it's true. but for the reasons that we're saying, we yeah. were two kids that grew up in this community that were looking for it anywhere we could and we couldn't mm -hmm. find it. Mm -hmm. Right? We, were, we wanted the outlet and it wasn't there, so we had to make it up ourselves. And now Rachel's back, I'm back, and we are making it up for the rest of the selves yeah. that are out there looking for it. Yeah. And they come, if it's just one kid, and I know the kids that I'm thinking yeah. of, and it's not just one kid, I've had several kids that come through the door and I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. like look at how amazing you are at this age. And that's so good to me because you have a place that you can grow with that. Yeah. Um, so performance is mm. important. But it's not the it's not the only thing, right? Like I, I have always cautioned students and families against being performance oriented because you can you can perform. You can have this amazing year and then the thing about live performance is you could just like it, it, you could have a cold that day yep. or you could have had a sneezing fit or whatever mm -hmm. and, and that performance just is not what you pictured it being. But that doesn't take away from all of the work and the learning and the growth that you do leading up to it. So, so we'll adapt, right? Like, will the arts will always exist. It will always exist. It will always mean something to people, whether they're actively involved or passively consuming it. Mm -hmm. The arts is, it's an outlet. It's, it's an escape. It, it builds, like, energy and everything. It, it, it will always be there. People will always need it. It's it's how how important like the powers that be see it. Yeah, it's that. Like if I could, you don't have to convince artists or people that have experienced it or people that are are working in industries about how important the arts is. We all know it. It's it's people who maybe haven't put all of the connections together. Yeah, the policy makers. The, the policy makers, the decision makers, or the fund handing out right. people. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, not sure if you've touched on this part again, but I think that even people who don't necessarily typically consume art, produce art, I don't know if it's because I am in the arts, but I've been getting sent people who are not typically artists. Look at what I started doing today. I made this. Look at what I started doing. So it's the like people are turning. Is like coming yeah. out of Absolutely. Everywhere. It's like instead of getting deeper and deeper into whatever poor mood they could get into, it's like they, they've turned their attention to something yeah. else, whether that is they're inspired by something they've seen on the internet, yep. the influx of artists producing. Like even me, I do art for a living, but I was able to plow out like what, 12 and six weeks. So it's just people... You, I had a chance to really dial back and really calm down. It was a lot of guilt-free mm -hmm. breaks. So I think maybe people who aren't so much in the arts, they were able to really 
settle, not stress, and be mm -hmm. like, hey, I don't have anybody to impress right now. Let me try something. Because yeah. there's so much fear in the arts when you get even young people, but most of the time older people mm -hmm. have a hard time teaching adults how to do art. Mm -hmm. but yeah. They just had the no fear. Yeah. yeah. And just turning to the arts in whatever facet they can find. Yeah. yeah. I think the next couple of years are going to be very interesting from a, a standpoint of seeing how things like live theater and live mm -hmm. performances mm -hmm. are able to get back to yeah because you can't sing or act without the whole speaking mostly business and that's Absolutely. kind of an issue yeah but you know like having audiences how do you separate people mm -hmm. at a safe yeah. distance how do you get the older demographic mm -hmm. who are more at risk um, but also seeing what this whole situation has spurned creatively mm -hmm. and the you know, what, what kind of shows are going to come out of people who've been stuck at home for months well, and have it. these crazy ideas. ideas. Yeah. Creativity creates creativity yeah. and maybe a little bit of insanity will create more in, in uh, creativity. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Just keep moving. Yeah. Pivot. That's what I keep telling my clients. You just keep pivoting. Rachel pivots like the best of them. She's like a professional <laughs> NBA player. Except I'm really short. That's right. New age of basketball players. <laughs> this is it. Green. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll be it'll be really cool to see and from a local level and and beyond. But yeah, for sure. Thank you guys so much oh, for being here. This this has it been so nice to see <laughs> people. See people. <laughs> but thank you again for listening to Robin's Ramblings. I am Robin Brady, and we will talk again soon.